Welcome to Getting to the Truth in This Art. I am your host, Rob Lee, and my next guest is a visual artist who practice specializes in photography and painting. We have Zoe Lint Zaris. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me, Rob. Great to be here. This is this is gonna be cool. We 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 were talking earlier. Have you fried any cicadas up and put a I have OB not, on? but that was the year I left Baltimore. Uh, it was the year I graduated from City. And oh, hold up, run that back. It was the year I graduated from City, so 2004. Like City College High School? Yes. We were there at the same time. I'm class of 03. All right. So the city just keeps getting smaller. This is very apropos, by the way. I hope you include this in the podcast. Uh, <laughs> like, oh, wait, we went to the same high school. Okay. Yes. No, I was there. I was there for my junior and senior year before I went to IND, now okay. permanently closed. Uh, so, Yeah. Yeah, this is this is cool. It's good to connect and it's good to um, be able to get get this done on a Friday. Like uh, Friday is usually kind of the end of the week and uh, you got you can look forward to the weekend. But actually, I was looking forward to doing interviews today and I have three scheduled and three tomorrow. So good for me. So if you will, you you know how this podcast goes. Um, Describe your work. Give us the rundown. So as you so graciously said, uh, I work within photography and painting, and most of these pieces tie into themes of love, loss, and uh, resistance. A lot of my photo work is in black and white because I think that shows a lot of nuance and tone within people, places, things. And my paintings are twofold. So my older work is abstract in this sort of uh, drip-like state and very colorful. Uh, but then I made some pieces <laughs> uh, that are in black and white, sort of as a testament to the photography I've been doing over the years, uh, relating to, again, those themes and focusing on hands. Uh, but recently, I can disclose this to you, and as some people have seen on my Instagram, I've gotten back into making these abstract pieces, which I'm really excited about because now I live in a place where I can build canvases again and store them. So that's awesome. It's <laughs> a big win. <laughs> it is. Yeah. Um, so let's see. And these questions are going to not have any rhyme and reason in terms of order, just so you know that. Uh, so what sort of like images or, or things do you, like, do you keep as company when you're, you're working? Like what's in your space? Like for me, I have Funko pops. I have, a lot of inappropriate art behind me because I like to make fun of things and I have wrestling autograph pictures, things like that. That's where I elicit energy from creatively. So for, for you, what would you have in your space that you kind of maybe draw from, or you feel makes your space like, okay, I can create here. Ooh, that just gave me vibes. Um, <laughs> so I'm like, Ooh. Um, so first and foremost, what's in front of me is a window, something I've never really had before in my work area, as in my desk is and chair looking out toward a window and just having natural light and being able to see, uh, I'm in the uh, sort of city center. So North Baltimore city from where I am is a real treat because I actually see trees. When I was living in New York, uh, I was seeing parking lots, concrete and detritus. Uh, so this is a marvelous treat for me. Uh, a couple of things. My go-tos are not as exciting as yours, to be fair. Uh, to the left of my desk, I have all these affirmations written down and sort of intentions for my year. I also have a horoscope 
feel free to make judgments, <laughs> which I kind of tune into. And then to the right of me, I have what I call my mini Bibles. So all the books that if I'm having sort of a, a rough day mentally, or just, I feel sort of out of it and indifferent. I don't feel the urge to create. I just will flip through them and see if something just sparks. And that usually gives me a bit of joy to proceed with my day, which is good. Yeah. And then I have a lot of uh, past workbooks. So sketches, thoughts, uh, and notes from my graduate certi certificate program from last year in arts and health. So if I need ideas, again, if I just need that random dose of inspiration, I go to those. So again, not as exciting as, as yours, but they are there. That's good. I mean, it's, it's good to have some something that's that, uh, I guess, it's almost like that totem or what have you. It's like, this this brings me back. And um, one one of the things I'm going to have to buy, I was just, I just leave myself a note. I, I believe the, the author is Rollo May. And it's this, this book in my, uh, my partner's house about... Um, the hell is it it's like uh, the artist is like what their uh, process is day to day it's like i get up i do this and I'm, I'm trying to look at things from that standpoint because i'll i'll read that um and read like a few pages out of it and try to digest it and process it and it's like how can i apply this to what i'm doing and i look have a window next to me but it's construction so that might be a whole thing in itself you know work in progress if you will an all too familiar environment uh, that I can yeah. relate to. <laughs> and, and dirt bikes. It's usually dirt bikes, construction, and um, it's, it's, it's Baltimore and it's getting hot. So it, it, in terms of motivation, right? What would you say your, your biggest motivator is? is I, said, I said that weird. What is your biggest motivator as a artist? Ooh, I think that's threefold. Uh, hmm. Yeah, what's your three biggest motivators? <laughs> <laughs> uh, definitely current events based on my surroundings. Mm -hmm. So wherever I'm living and what my experiences are within that environment. Uh, secondly, current events. I think this is the nod to the old journalism self of just wanting to be in touch with what's going on, not just in the city where I live or wherever I live, but also the world. I've always been that way. And that's where a lot of my art comes from, you know, a response to that. And thirdly, I'm probably the most important thing is intuition. Mm. So it really comes from the gut and just in terms of what to make and how to move forward with projects. Uh, so it all ties in together. It's, um, it's an interesting experience, Some, somewhat hard to explain, at least the intuition part, because it's yeah. like, well, how did you come up with this? I felt it. Oh, okay. You know, <laughs> mm, mm, like scratch, a scratch of the chin, a scratch of the chin. Uh, <laughs> Um, but yeah, no, that, that's, that's how it works. It's a somewhat simple process. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you, you said you, you, we, we were talking earlier time in New York and so on. So, so talk about that. What was the thinking in coming from Baltimore, going to New York and working up there, then, then coming back. And I believe you've said earlier, journalist is a thing. Uh, that was a <laughs> career path for a certain period of time. So, so speak on that. What was that, that transition of leaving here and I guess, uh, being in that journalism space and, and being in New York and then kind of making that, that return. Okay. So I'm going to add a little bit Seasoning? more to this. Okay, uh, yeah. <laughs> so I left Baltimore when I was 18. Uh, New York was always the goal. I cannot stress this enough. It was just something I knew from a very young age that I was going to work and live there. I didn't know doing what exactly. I thought I would be a music journalist. 
to be honest. I thought that was going to be my thing, like being an editor at MTV. <laughs> um, well, we not anymore. <laughs> exactly. It's like, ooh, where did that go? Okay. Reality show journalist. <laughs> but between that time of Baltimore to New York, there was London, where I lived and work. Then I moved to DC. This was all during the recession, which I'm sure you remember those days. Uh, it was hard to find work. I ended up in DC on a whim. That's where I found work. So I lived there for three years, started working in journalism down there. And then that was my ticket to, to get to New York and particularly Brooklyn, which I lived or where I lived for eight years. So. Wow. Yeah. And to work in the newsroom setting there was, you know, everything you'd expect. But by that time, technology had changed everything so fast. So everything I'd learned in, in university had just was practically obsolete at that point. Uh, and so it was just kind of a 24 hour cycle heavily. And I was I felt so burnt out. And I said, OK, by the age of 30, I'm not going to live this corporate life anymore because I just went from job to job, nonstop, nine to five, or as I call it, the nine to nine. So then I quit my job and started working for myself in 2016. Mm -hmm. And then five years later, ended up back in the home city. Something that I didn't quite expect, but here I am and it's all for the better. I thought you were going to say five years later, I ended up on a hacky podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. The fact that I'm on a podcast at all is, is riveting. So thank you. I, I appreciate the, uh, mm, yes. you know, wanting to get to know me a bit better. <laughs> oh, totally. Um, especially that we probably were, this has happened a few times and we'll talk about that a little later. Um, the Baltimore experience. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I, I had a similar experience in terms of the having that burnout. Um, I didn't have the, I had different opportunities present themselves of relocate, chase that brass ring, do the four hours of sleep a night. I was like, I'll choose to do my four hours of sleep. I'm not going to do it for somebody else's. I only do about six hours, but I was like, I'm not doing it for someone else's benefit to punch a clock or what have you. And I, and I was like working in DC. So commuting from Baltimore daily to DC, chasing the rat race. And I, I worked for Verizon. I was in a, like a marketing senior marketing analyst and it was cool, but I knew it about 24. Like I was like, I'm done with the way that this is set up. This configuration doesn't serve me. So, um, that was when I started a podcast. You know, I, I started then and I was like, I like to say a bunch of goofy things and I like to look at the news and not a journalist, obviously, but I like to make fun of the news. So let's, let's do this. And all these years later, I don't have that job, obviously, but I'm still doing uh, doing podcast. And, you know, my career has shifted so much from being in that marketing space. But early on, I think recognizing, I think by 27, I was outside of it. So I did three more years after realizing that this configuration it doesn't sustain me in the way that I want. And it's interesting because from maybe about 30, I got into, or maybe, maybe more like 28, I got into this space of working in higher ed, but as a contractor. And I was able to live this weird kind of arty lifestyle. And I look at it as I got to create, I got to do my stuff and I got to sort out my stuff, work on my craft, but also I don't really have a clock. Cause I was like in and out of work regularly. And I was like, I love this. I was like, this is great. And I've always kind of envied the creatives and the artistic types outside of doing this podcast, but always looking like you guys get it. You guys get it. You don't believe in clocks, but you guys get it. <laughs> <laughs> so 
reflecting back to the beginning of your career, right? So it, what would you say is a like most piece, most useful piece of advice that you've received and in, in going into a, you know, this kind of artist life that you're engaged in? Ooh, artist life, or would I be able to go back even further to professional life? Oh like kind of, I'm just curious because I, I didn't really receive any advice for a career transition. If anything, it was a lot of, what are you doing? Doc Brown, uh, go, all <laughs> go all the way back. Just get the DeLorean. Let's just. So, okay. Yes. Let's, let's do it. Um, <clears throat> it was one word and it was said to me by my uncle upon graduating. This is when I was preparing to move to uh, London. He was actually encouraging Dubai, which I found really interesting because Dubai was becoming the sort of hotbed for, you know, new experiences and work and et cetera. Sure. Uh, but I wanted London being the Anglophile like yourself, as you said. <laughs> so he told me one word. He just said choices. And he said it in such a way, Rob, that like meant business, like yeah. choices. So if you can imagine this like amazingly gregarious Greek American man, uh, just being like choices, full stop. Yeah. Um, that was it. And I always reflect on that moment because for any adult, that really is it, you yeah. know, to embark on your professional or personal life, what you do and the choices you make matter. So that one word just sort of shaped how I've gone about my adult life and professional life. That's good. That's definitely something that can be applied. Um, like I'm, I'm looking at it now, like, yeah, it's, it's choices. It's, it's just, it's, it's as, as simple as it is, as, as one word as it might be, the notion of choices, options, and so on. Like I, you talked about Zodiac. I'm an Aquarius and we, you, you too. Yes. If you this say, is getting weird. This is getting if, weird. If you say January 20th, I'm going to end this podcast. No, no. Okay. <laughs> February 4th. Okay, close enough, close enough. <laughs> But it's one of those things where, you know, I guess you can relate to it, having this this notion of like, eh, I'm going to do this my way and just kind of exploring those different choices. And when there's this idea of having confinement and this rigidy kind of thing of like, I have to do this in the box that you're setting forth. It's like, OK, can I just make this box polka dots? Can I just what can I do within this these parameters to make this somehow mine? And knowing that you don't really want to do deal with the box and the idea, but it's like, I can accept it, but I'm still going to make it mine somehow. And mm -hmm. it's like, this is my, this is a choice for me. I'm choosing to entertain this, but I need to create another choice to make this one more acceptable, even though it's not my, my making. And yeah, that that's, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to chew on that one for a little while. Huh. Exactly. And that, that sort of ties into the intuition component as well. And, you know, you were saying how like you knew very early on that this, a career path wasn't for you in the sense of like working at this company and just something wasn't sitting right with you literally. Yeah. <laughs> and then you, you made the choice, you made this, you shifted the, you know, the, the path yeah. and yeah. And it's just, I think it, it, in the end, it's, it sometimes just comes down to that. Yeah. It's, it's just, you, you do things that it's, it's like one, I think identifying, and I had to do this later, but one identifying like what drives you and what's congruent for you in terms of your values and things like that. And then figuring out like how you are naturally kind of connects to it without letting anybody else kind of add to it or, or take away from it. And it's like, well, this is, this is what I'm doing. This is what I'm choosing to do, whether it be from a personal standpoint, or whether it be from a creative standpoint, like 
and doing three podcasts. I don't conceal or hide that I do three podcasts and they are for very different audiences at time. I mean, one, it's a lot of four letter words being said and I make fun of everything. And then this as one, you should, as, as you should, as I should. <laughs> and then in this one, there's still, you know, some of that, but it's like, what is the niche? What, what, what am I looking for? I'm trying to talk to people and try to get their story more than talking about goofy, weird news things. So, you know, it's just like this podcast is more art, less dick jokes, I guess. And, you know, and the other one, we recover, we cover movies. So, you know, that's how it is. Uh, I love that, though. It's quite unique, I yeah. have to say, because it's not every day where you you see somebody catering or, or wanting to learn more about artists themselves. You know, especially it's like a one man band type of podcast. It's not led by an organization that's art based or something like yeah. this. Like this is the real deal. So I, I appreciate that. Well, honestly, as somebody on your show, like that's keep it coming. Like more of this, please. We need yeah. this in the, in the universe. <laughs> when, I, when I get, when I get on, I'm leaving. It's like, yeah, what's the next city? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Keep identifying me in public. <laughs> Bigger and better things. New York's always part of the plan. <laughs> like, all right, Rob, <laughs> settle down. <laughs> um, I love it. I love the energy. That would be great, actually. I just want to write my own. I, I used to do this bit. Um, I used to talk about like how all of the different people I've podcasted with over the years, there's going to be this behind the music sort of thing. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, the year was 2020. And I was like, huh, I don't know what Rob is doing in this podcast. He did a lot of coke before he started recording. And then <laughs> I'm just waiting for it to be all of these really, really like gnarly stories coming out under the space of being a podcaster, much like the music journal journalism <laughs> career that you were describing. Yeah. Just wait, give it 10 years. <laughs> uh -huh. Just me with gray hair. And um, so for you, for you, what helps and, or um, what hinders creativity? Because I've talked to some people who say, I don't have any issues with my creativity, but for you, what helps or, or, or hurts your um, creativity? Ooh. Oh, goodness. I would have to say that's a tough, I have to think about this one moment. <laughs> Please what <hold>. helps, <laughs> what helps is yeah, I can do the mood music. Doo -doo. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I, a stepping away mm. helps actually a lot. And, you know, if we want to just touch on habits sure. briefly, uh, you know, just having moments, especially in the morning before I start my work day, if you want to call it that. I, it's such a fine line between work and play. I don't know anymore. Uh, but yoga and meditation, very cliche, but very essential. I've always had anxiety my whole life and that just sets the tone for the day. So it helps my creative process. It helps me find the strength to move forward in the things I wanna create and how I wanna proceed. Um, what can hinder? technology, <laughs> uh, just being on the phone bound, like having boundaries, but sometimes overstepping my own boundaries. And that can really, uh, that can really thwart my creative process for sure. Like, I know I shouldn't answer this one thing right now because I'm in the flow doing this, but it'll be quick. It'll be fine. Just one more. And then that process has been sort of, uh, um, compromised. Totally. That's, that's, it gets interesting to hear that. Um, I, I look at rappers for all of my influences and it's like, yo, what do rappers do now? Uh, so I what do this. they do? I'd be, there you go. There's a, 
drugs. Uh, oh, well. <laughs> but one of these things I, I recall, and I started looking at it from, from my, my standpoint of, I've recently added, since they've, they're open now, going back to the gym as part of my, my morning flows, like get up, bang some weights, bro, protein shake and all of that. And uh, now I usually wrap up that, that, that kind of thing and get some coffee and black preferably. And that kind of sorts out everything for that beginning. And then it's like, all right, now I'm at my base level. I'm feeling optimal. Now let's get into the space to, to work and deal with that piece of things. And now once that's done, let's get to a place where I can be in that, that kind of spot where it's like, I'm energized. I want to talk with people. I want to bring in their story and I want to be able to be into what I'm doing. And I, I think the technology thing is interesting um, because we get so much access to stuff, other people, information and so on. And going back to the rapper thing, I remember um, it was a thing that Currency uh, said about like he doesn't listen to anything current, any current music when he's making his stuff. He wants it to feel like, oh, this is like almost throwback, but not in it being a throwback song or what have you. He's like, I want to do something that's not corrupted by these outside forces. So it means I might not be logging into Spotify. I don't listen to anybody else's podcast because I don't want to do what they're doing. I want to, you know, keep this its own thing. And I think part of that is technology. So I definitely get where you're coming from. I think there's a purity to that, you know, from his angle, just it, it would dilute your process to have. And we we have everything at our fingertips these days uh, where you could be influenced by somebody or somebody else or, oh, why didn't I do that? Or I should do this next time when in fact it might not even be true to you. So I give yeah. I give him a lot of credit for that. Yeah, I think I, that I, that's interesting in itself. I'm, I'm going to eventually go through, I'm probably going to go to my mom's house to do it, but I feel like I have a lot of my old rap books from City College. And uh, I can tell what rappers I was listening to at the time based on what I was writing. I was like, yo, there's a lot of Beanie Siegel in here. <laughs> what in the Jay-Z is going on? It was a lot of, <laughs> and, and I, I imagine, you know how it Dead goes. Prez came out the year I graduated the, um, was it RBG album? Isn't that happening? Sure. Like, so, so, no? Okay. <laughs> I mean, I was a throwback Jersey kind of fabulous guy. And okay. <laughs> I mean, I was busy making rap songs about Macbeth. And there there was one that got played on a class, uh, an advanced writing class. So that showed you the degree of nerdery and rappery I was into. It was I called, love it. It was called Murder Mac. And uh, it's so stupid. It was uh, M-U-D- <laughs> M-U-R-D-A. <laughs> Because, you know, it's murder or whatever. Uh, <laughs> some people I'm liking do. these throwbacks. I'm sorry. I'm I mean, really liking the throwbacks. <laughs> you're pulling it out. You're pulling it out. Uh, so, some people doodle. Some people watch B-movies. Uh, what mind-wandering activities do you indulge in? Oh, gosh. I'm really boring. I'm sorry. Oh, no. <laughs> no, for sure. Uh, mind-wandering activities... It would involve, well, I used to doodle quite a bit, like, especially back in the day, if I was on the phone with somebody, just blah, blah, blah. But um, it's really just writing things. I'll just pop this over here into my notebook, which I also dub a Zibaldone. And that contains a lot of sketches and random thoughts that occur to me. And I have one of those books per year. Sometimes I use more than one. Just again, it's to get things out. It's to release all the energy that's going on in my head. It allows me to then like wander a bit more, you know, through this wandering process. The other thing I do is change my environment. 
which means I leave this room Mm -hmm. and I go to another room and I lie on the floor and I just stare to the ceiling, close my eyes, maybe put on some like lo-fi beats or ambient music and just, I just am. (laughs) I just, I just kind of zone out for a little bit because I will say my thoughts move really, really fast and I have to take myself out of my comfort zone, which is where I make my work and where I teach, et cetera, and then go to another place and just lie on the floor and exist. Mm-hmm. And that allows me to just sort of recenter myself, ground myself and allow myself to wander in a different way, even though I'm, I'm prostrate, prostrate on the floor. <laughs> it's one of those uh, SAT words right there. Yeah, dig it. No, I, city. I, uh, <laughs> I, I, I definitely, I, I was having this, um, a few is a few weeks back. I was having this, um, this situation with, um, a close creative partner. We were just having a lot of issues that still, you know, aren't, aren't resolved issues, but it was giving me some strife. And I was like, all right, I need to reset because things are feeling corrupted. So I find it to be a challenge to even get into a space to meditate. And I was having this block of, I was prepping for another show and I was like, I don't even have any ideas. I don't have anything funny to say. I don't feel like being funny. And I, I was able to just zone out, lay on the floor, just, just, just be. And, um, the first thing I thought was a very inappropriate thing, but I thought it was really funny when I kind of came out of this, this spot and I had like maybe 10 minutes of like, I'm, I'm here. And, and, I was like, cicadas are black dads. They come back after 17 years. And I just thought it was ridiculous. And I was like, I got to put that as a observation. That's where I kind of put my notes, these little, little things like, or I even said, um, in the same kind of space, wow. I, I had that thought. And I had the other thought of, uh, sex tapes and nothing more than uh, erotic unboxing videos. And those were the two thoughts that <laughs> were there. And it was just coming out of this. Let's, let's reset. Let's not focus on this, this, this conflict that I was having or any of that stuff, let's just focus on just you and what what naturally comes to your head and just jot it down, first thing that pops up. And those are the first two thoughts that pop up, just me being a jackass. Yeah, and then you can roll with those things if you want. Like you can write them down, file them away mentally somewhere and can always go back to that. It's not something you even have to act on in the moment. It's just nice to, again, you know, whatever you think about, like break yeah. away from that from that strife you're dealing with yeah. in the current moment. Yeah. Um, I mean, even that, that kind of philosophy usually is already there for me, but I was just having that block and it, it kind of jogged it loose for me. And just that same idea, uh, that same type of thinking led to me coming up with a comic book. And, you know, that's another thing that I do outside of this is if I'm not doing too many things, but I was going to say, you wear a lot of hats, your observations, <laughs> the podcasts, your observations are very future career is rapper. No, no, that's <laughs> done. I'm, I've retired. I'm oh, that, that's, oh, you're retired. You're done. You're collecting your pension. So you're like collecting your pension. Yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's Pensions. <laughs> what are those? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. What, what are you going to do? So I got a, I got a few more questions. Um, so let's see, uh, what do you hope people take away from, from your work? A feeling that's unique unto themselves. And the reason I say it like that is because, you know, as an artist or somebody making art, you come into it with an idea, with a process, yeah. it's done. 
And then you sort of release it into the world. You've birthed this concept, this idea. It's now living. It's not necessarily breathing, but it is living. It's live. And now people can respond to it. And I think everyone's, you know, what people should take away from it is a feeling. Uh, I will add a, a story. I was still working full time and I was in my first group show in New York. And these two women at the art opening uh, were looking at one of the pieces I made for and was in the show uh, that was in the show. And I remember sort of like sauntering up to them very delicately, just kind of with an earshot, just seeing what they were saying. Yeah. And one of them goes, I could have done this. And I just remember feeling absolutely shattered, oh. absolutely shattered and feeling so horrible. I was yeah. like, Oh, I'm a failure. Right. You know, that was it. Five years later, I look at that moment and I laugh because she felt something. She yeah. felt that she could have done a better job, whatever that means. Uh, and she, you know, it sparked something in her to respond with that way out loud. Yeah. So it sounds a little cheesy, but I hope they walk away with, you know, maybe some questioning, maybe an, an appreciation or, a, or an understanding of what they've seen or are experiencing when they view the work. No, I, I like that. Uh, I, I think in when when people don't have anything, it's like, oh, you've not done your job. And it's like, eh, you know, I don't feel anything will have you. It's like, oh, like, again, you know, I, I don't know how close it is. But, you know, for the longest time up until like recently, and as I was saying earlier, getting identified and all of this, this different stuff, um, I would get no feedback. So I'm like, I don't know if this is good or not. I was like, I'm having fun doing it. And that has its own enjoyment out of it. But it's like, I don't know if that was good or not. Or you would just get that, that negative. And yes, it used to just shatter me. And I was like, why am I even doing this? This is bullshit. And, you know, as people start like listening and I was like, let me be more confident. Either you're going to get it or you're not going to get it. You're going to like it. Or you're not going to like it. But as long as you're interacting with it and you're at least receiving it, that's that's the thing. I think for me is like, are you getting a chance to receive it and take from it what you will? And um, now it's even more cocky. It's like I'm never going to run out of content. Nobody can do what I do. <laughs> it, it's it's just, it's a lot of head movement. And <laughs> I can relate as, as a Greek American person. If the hands aren't moving, something is wrong. Uh <laughs> Opa, I guess I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, so now this is this is the the point where I get to my last question before we get to um, shameless um, shameless plugs. But uh, describe your Baltimore, all caps, italicized because it's cooler that way. So how would you describe your Baltimore? I know that you're recently back and, you know, that's a whole thing. But, you know, in coming back, you had to have done, you know, looked at it a bit like how much has it changed? What's going on? Are all the things still there? Are the haunts still existing? Oh, this is such a tough question. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, <laughs> it's the Baltimore of my youth and then the Baltimore of what I know now, right? So the Baltimore of my youth, so zero to 18 years of age, we're talking 80s, 90s, something you're very familiar with, early 2000s. Yeah. Uh, thankfully, I was raised with an appreciation for the arts here. Uh, so BMA, the Walters Art Gallery at the time, I just learned it was the Walters Art Museum now. And I was like, wait, uh, Grimaldus Gallery, places like this, uh, Visionary Art Museum, best gift shop in the world. 
like the best, at they least from. <laughs> oh, shameless plug. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Shout Freaking out to Rebecca. Yeah, yes. Uh, fabulous. And then, uh, you know, I have to say, when you say you're Baltimore, this city, I mean, obviously my family, but this city raised me with an appreciation for the arts because as a kid, you know, I was kind of doing these like art programs, you know, um, that were created by BMA and the Walters and all these things. But also as a teenager, then going to places like, don't ask me how I got in, uh, Sonar, The Talking Head, Choices, oh God, what else? The Wrecker in the county, but really was such a great place. I saw so many great shows at The Wrecker. The Funk Box slash The 8x10, uh, Auto Bar was a huge part of my years here. Um, and yeah, that, to, to see some of these still existing is, is beautiful, Yeah, you know, and that for me is what makes it, I have such a hard time saying like my Baltimore, like, it's just, I don't know, like because I, I, I was gone for so long, you know, that it feels kind of odd saying, okay, I've, I've been back for, for a bit, a little bit a smidge, mm -hmm. but having to relearn everything as a working professional in the arts, that's kind of what I was touching on earlier. But what I love about this place it, at this point of my life is as follows. It is way less regulated compared to anywhere else I've ever lived. Really, meaning like I feel there's more freedom here, mm -hmm. a humbling freedom to express yourself without the ego, without this notion to be in your face compared to other places where I've lived. And I love that. I think that is essential because that also creates community. If everyone's trying to one-up each other, and have the sexiest or the coolest thing, it just sort of dissolves into nothingness. Yeah. And as of now, I mean, please correct me, <laughs> but as of now, I haven't felt or experienced that here. And I love that. And what I will end on that question with is, you know, people, especially nowadays, are so focused on like being the next big thing and just prosperity and wealth. And I feel like coming home to Baltimore is its own prosperity and wealth that just can't be matched with currency. My family's here, my old friends are here that have stuck with me wherever I've been in the world. You know, uh, it's like the whole, the old high school thing, you know, yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, I, I haven't seen you in 20 years. You're still here, fantastic, let's hang, <laughs> great. Um, I love that. And that for me is what this city is now and it is home. Very so well it's said. nice to be home. It's very well said. Uh, so now we're at this point of the show, of the pod. And, and thank you for, for everything. Thank you for being such a delightful guest. This has been a true trip down memory lane. You're the second City alum I've had on, too, by the way. City producing the greats. Yeah, I had, um, had Corey Wallace. People can't see me. Corey Wallace is somebody I absolutely do remember with yeah. the trombone. Uh-huh. Yes. We, we, it was funny. We talked about rap for a while and uh, I was like, you know, we're like back to back in the yearbook, right? <laughs> and he was like, we are. And he's like, yeah, the two tallest guys in there. I was like, see? This episode is brought to you by our presenting sponsor, Emma's Tea Spot. I've said it before. It's no secret. I prefer coffee over tea. But here's one thing you might not know. I'm an Anglophile. So obviously, I've been to that quaint shop in a Hamilton neighborhood in Northeast Baltimore, Emma's Tea Spot. Go for a lovely date like I did, or enjoy a charming tea party with your friends. Emma's Spot is the spot to get away from your troubles and put the kettle on and have a chat. 
like British goods but don't want to go across the pond? Emma's got imported goods like their brick boxes filled with candies, tea, and even crockery. These boxes can be customized for any occasion. Check out emmasteaspot.com for the proper British experience. So shameless plug time. Um, where can he find you? Website, social, all that good stuff. And again, thank you, thank you, thank you. All the good stuff, which I have such a love-hate relationship with, probably ruining my own pitch in the process here, but let's go for it. Uh, <laughs> ZoeLintzeris.com, so my first name, last name.com. Uh, on Instagram as ZLintz, uh, on LinkedIn as well. And those are the outlets I use the most. So you can get in touch with me there. You can view my most recent work there. Um, and yeah, purchasing all goes through me if you have any questions. And again, I also teach art online. I teach personal sessions. I teach workshops. So if anyone's interested in that and incorporating, you know, learning a bit of art making slash with like meditative movement and structures, that is something I do as well um, with the certification I mentioned earlier. So, you know, trying to make the world or maybe just the city a better place one day at a time. I don't know. You tell me. <laughs> that, was, that was very pluggy. I like the way that wrapped. I like that. Thank you. I really so, appreciated being on the show. This was fantastic. Totally. I'm do my sound off and uh, we'll we'll chat further. Uh, so for Zoe DeLint Zaris, I am Rob Lee saying that there's art in and around Baltimore. You just have to look for it. Bye now. <laughs> <laughs>